Today's the, the final message in a series of messages that I've called Check Your Default Settings. And during this course, and, and again, just kind of to review, um, Check Your Default Settings, default refers to a selection made usually automatically or without active consideration. I've been asking you to think about some of the things related to your personal and spiritual life that you just kind of, that's your default setting, you're automatically going to do it. In the series, I started by asking us to think about the default setting of go or no. Is it your default setting to regularly participate in some type of corporate worship service? In other words, um, when you get up on Sunday morning, the decision's already been made. When you leave on a particular Sunday morning, the decision's already made that unless something extreme takes place, you'll be back the following week. Uh, just kind of that, that's your default setting is to attend. Um, the other thing that I asked us to think about next was grow or no. And speaking of spiritual growth specifically, but personal growth in general, is it your default setting that you're just automatically going to do some things that will incline you to growth, whether it's Bible reading, whether, again, it's attendance at a worship service, whether it's uh, some type of devotional activity, some type of of things that that are going to stretch you and help you to grow. I ask you to think about a default setting of mine or his. And we looked at the scriptural principles that when you boil it down, um, everything that we have belongs to God. And just that mindset that it's all his. And he asked us to respond by returning some of his back to him. And then last week I looked at the default setting of me or them. And, and do I have a default setting to serve others and to be engaged in, in serving others? Uh, today, we're going to look at the default setting of leader or follower. And I thought maybe we would do a quick survey. Um, would you stand up if you consider yourself to be a leader? Right now. Okay, cool. All right, there we go. We're still thinking about it. All right. All right. Some of you are not as decisive of leaders as others, but anyway, all right. Uh, you can have a seat. Would you stand up if you consider yourself your default setting to be follower? I don't feel any peer pressure here. All right, you can have a seat. <laughs> okay, so we're not done with the survey yet. Which is more important? Raise your hand if you think leader default setting is more important. In general, which is more important? Nobody thinks leaders more important. A few. Uh, raise your hand up there. Come on, don't be ashamed. All right. All right. So is it fair to say the rest of you think follower is more important? No? I, what? They're equally important. All right. You've heard the saying, and I, I think John Maxwell is the one who I heard say it, a leadership coach. I mean, this guy is, for decades, has been a leadership guru, uh, literally wrote innumerable books. Many of them seem to be the same, but innumerable books on the topic of leadership. And he said, if you think you're a leader and nobody's following you, you're just taking a walk. All right? All right? 
But on the other hand, if you're a follower and you don't have any direction, you got a problem. All right? So, so they are both very, very important. But I, I would suggest to you, obviously I started with this, is my default setting to lead or to follow? And I, and I need you to think about how you're wired. All right? Is your default setting to lead or to follow? But I would suggest that perhaps that's the wrong question. What I want you to begin to chew on a little bit today is if my default setting is to follow, and some of you are already there ahead of me, I I will just say that just because your default setting is to lead or to follow in any given situation does not necessarily mean that extrapolates to every area of your life, all right? Some of us may be great leaders in the business realm, but at home, not so much. Some of us may be great leaders in some settings, but in other settings, we're much more inclined to step back and let others lead. So, But I want us to think a little bit about how you're wired, And what I really want us to grapple with is if my default setting is to follow, am I willing to override that default setting, step out of my comfort zone, and lead when the situation warrants? Even if that's not my natural, I'm going to take charge. If I feel strongly about it, if I see a need, am I willing step out of my comfort zone, override my default setting, and shift from being a follower to being a leader? The reverse is also a question. If my default setting is to lead, am I willing to override that default setting, step out of my comfort zone, and follow when I perceive that may be for the benefit of of another or the organization. One of the things we've hinted at, uh, and again, I would say in many areas of my life, my default setting personally is to follow. When I get in this realm, because I have been in a leadership role here for a long time, my default setting can be to lead. What we're coming to wrestle with collectively as a leadership team is the importance of me not always leading, but me following so that other leaders have the opportunity to exercise their leadership skills, develop their leadership skills, so that we as an organization can be more effective. So so I want you to wrestle with that, and I'm going to look quickly at a couple of biblical examples, and and. Believe me, when you've been doing this for as long as I have, there are lots of biblical leadership examples that come to mind. I touched last week about Moses, and I talked about Isaiah. Very, very different situations. I think about Gideon and his leadership. I think about Nehemiah, one of my personal favorites. I think about Joshua. There are lots. But for today's message, um, 
I will confess, I cherry-picked a couple of the easiest ones. All right? So, I mean, when you think about leadership, you think about Jesus. All right? Um, if you got to pick, I mean, it's Sunday school. Jesus, you got a good chance the answer is going to be right if you just say Jesus. All right? So, uh, but again, I, I think about Jesus, leader or follower, and, I, and you guys are already there ahead of me. But I think about this, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Make you fishers of men, as some translations put it. How does that start? Y'all come follow me. I'll be the leader. You be the followers. Y'all come follow me. Jesus is the leader. Default setting of leader. Then we go to John's gospel, and Jesus says this. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food, what I live for, is to be a follower and to do the work that's been assigned to me by a leader. So, leads when appropriate, follows when appropriate. A couple or a chapter later, John puts it this way. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. In other words, Jesus says, the only way I know what to do is by looking to my leader. And based on what I see him do, now I know what to do. So an incredibly strong, charismatic, all-powerful, all-knowing leader still understood, at times, he was a follower. And he was a better leader because he was a good follower. Then I thought, again, New Testament cherry-picking, I thought about the Apostle Paul. Strong personality. The guy traveled all over the country starting churches. Much of the New Testament is him writing leadership instructional material to his followers, telling them how to live the Christian life. He's all over it when it comes to being a leader. I, I love this. First uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. What's the most important part of that statement? To me, it's the period. All right? Paul has the audacity to say to his listeners, imitate me. You imitate my life, and you'll be spot on. Wow. Think about that. Think about that. It's very, very, very hard for me to think about saying something like that without putting some type of qualifiers or parenthetical statement. True? I urge you, I beg you, I plead with you, imitate my life, period. Wow. What a leader. I think even John Maxwell would be proud of that one. Imitate me. You will not go wrong if you imitate me. Just a couple chapters later, Paul says, follow my example. 
as I follow the example of Christ. He was a great leader. Powerful. Influential. Shaped the entire course of history. But he understood that it was grounded in him being a follower. What I want us to grasp is the importance of striking that balance and understand we're all wired one way or the other. We're wired to be a leader. And that's awesome. It's necessary. It's crucial. But we need to understand sometimes we have to override that wiring. Some of us are wired to be a follower. That's awesome. We, we tend to, you know, there are a lot more books written on being a leader than there are on being a follower. But really, they're both important. It's imperative that we understand how we're wired and how to enhance our strengths and balance our weaknesses so that we are effective in both categories. I'm going to show you a video in, in just a quick moment. Uh, some of you may be familiar. Any of you guys familiar with TED Talks? All right, so some of you know, some of you don't. TED Talks are, are videos. You, I mean, there's a really expensive conference you can go to and hear them live, but most of us just watch them online. They're, they cover a broad range of topics, Personally, I think they tend to lean a little to the left, but there's a lot of good stuff on there. But they're very short, very succinct, incredibly powerful teaching opportunities. It would be like if you came every week, and instead of getting a 35-minute message from me, I knew every week I had two minutes. I had to give you the biggest piece of steak I could fit in two minutes. All right? We would eliminate all of my bunny trails and all this stuff, and we would get boom, done. I, I'm going to show you uh, a TED Talk in, in just a half. Don't do it yet, but listen carefully to what I'm going to say. I want you to watch the video closely, all right? But don't get so distracted by what you see that you don't hear what's being said, okay? Because I can tell you the first several times I watched it, I was really distracted by what I saw. All right. What you see is important. What you hear is just as important. So um, we're going to show the video, and, and then I'm going to talk, give a little clarification for those who end up listening online. So let's watch the video. If you've learned a lot about leadership and making a movement, then let's watch a movement happen start to finish in under three minutes and dissect some lessons. First, of course, a leader needs the guts to stand alone and look ridiculous. But what he's doing is so simple, it's almost instructional. This is key. You must be easy to follow. Now here comes the first follower with a crucial role. He publicly shows everyone else how to follow. Notice how the leader embraces him as an equal. So it's not about the leader anymore. It's about them, plural. Notice how he's calling to his friends to join in. So it takes guts to be a first follower. You stand out and you brave ridicule yourself. 
Being a first follower is an underappreciated form of leadership. The first follower transforms a lone nut into a leader. If the leader is the flint, the first follower is the spark that really makes the fire. Now here's the second follower. This is a turning point. It's proof the first has done well. Now it's not a lone nut, and it's not two nuts. Three is a crowd, and a crowd is news. A movement must be public. Make sure outsiders see more than just the leader. Everyone needs to see the followers because new followers emulate followers, not the leader. Now here come two more people, then three more immediately. Now we've got momentum. This is the tipping point, and now we have a movement. As more people jump in, it's no longer risky. If they were on the fence before, there's no reason not to join in now. They won't stand out. They won't be ridiculed. And they will be part of the in crowd if they hurry. And over the next minute, you'll see the rest who prefer to stay part of the crowd because eventually they'd be ridiculed for not joining. And ladies and gentlemen, that is how a movement is made. So let's recap what we've learned. If you are a version of the shirtless dancing guy, all alone, remember the importance of nurturing your first few followers as equals, making everything clearly about the movement, not you. Be public. Be easy to follow. But the biggest lesson here—did you catch it? Leadership is overglorified. Yes, it started with the shirtless guy, and he'll get all the credit. But you saw what really happened. It was the first follower that transformed a lone nut into a leader. There's no movement without the first follower. See, we're told that we all need to be leaders, but that would be really ineffective. The best way to make a movement, if you really care, is to courageously follow and show others how to follow. When you find a lone nut doing something great, have the guts to be the first person to stand up and join in. <laughs> For those of you who are listening at a later date,、uh, I recommend you go to YouTube and、uh, watch a TED talk by Derek Sivers, S-I-V-E-R-S, called "The Dancing Shirtless Guy."、Um, leaders are important, but many times, being the first follower requires just as much, or even more, courage. Regardless of the charisma and vision of the leader, there will be no real momentum without the first follower and those who come after them. What I would have you wrestle with is this question: Can I adjust my default setting to lead well when I need to lead, and to follow well when I need to follow? If you have ever taken the initiative in anything. You understand just how important it is for somebody to follow. I've told you before my story when I began to sense a call into pastoral ministry. I just wanted somebody, when I shared that, to laugh and tell me it was a terrible idea. But they didn't, so I had to wrestle with it. If my default setting is to follow, am I willing to override that, step out of my comfort zone, 
and lead when the situation warrants. If my default setting is to lead, am I willing to override that default setting, step out of my comfort zone, and follow what is for the benefit of another or the organization? And whether I am a leader or a follower, am I willing to step out of my comfort zone and respond when the situation calls for someone to be the first follower? I think about that especially when it comes to developing new leaders. How desperately they need somebody who already has credibility to come alongside and be a first follower. I share this in part because it's really close to home. 37 years ago, I was the dancing shirtless guy. (laughs) Don't go there because it's not a pleasant image, all right? (laughs) But when we moved to Albion, there were some crucial first followers without whom it wouldn't have happened. I think about Stephen K. Sleeper. And those are just names to most of you. Anybody here know Steve? There we go. All right, yeah. He's, yeah. We got it. We, we can blame Steve for Lori. All right. Um, <laughs> I went to high school with Steve. He was a Christian. I wasn't. I know this stunned you. I wasn't always a nice person. But when I knew I was coming to Albion, and I knew Steve was in Albion, I knew Steve was a Christian, he was willing first follower. And we depended heavily upon Stephen Kay. When we had our first public worship service with a grand total of 59 people, and yes, I remember it vividly, most of whom were family and friends from Battle Creek, Stephen Kay and his two kids, Diane and I and our two kids, some lady that lived a couple doors down in the mobile home park and her kids, some other kids who were standing on the street that morning and we kidnapped and brought with us. And one couple who saw a picture of me in the paper with an article about this new church that was starting at the Holiday Inn. Go figure. I I would be embarrassed to show you the picture. It didn't scare them away. They came anyway. And their names are Frank and Kathy Remus. They were the, the first followers who were just strangers off the street. And they became, for a season, crucial leaders in the formation of this ministry. Susie Solis, many of you know, she was the the first follower who came to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as a result of this ministry. Because she had the good fortune of being our neighbor in the mobile home park. I think about Susan Turner. Susan has moved away with her husband, Lynn, but she was the first follower from that family that brought Spence and brought Craig, brought Todd. I think about Barb Owens, 
who was the first follower from the Owens clan, as we love to call them. I think about a steady stream of others over the past 37 years. We are who we are because individuals were willing to be first followers. And I look at where we're headed. And friends, as we move forward, and Dan's going to talk a little bit about some church business in just a minute. But, but as we move forward, we're going to have people who step up and lead in new ways. And they're desperately going to need a first follower and a second follower. There will come a day, we don't know when, when you as a church body choose someone new to be your pastor. He will desperately need, excuse me, he or she will desperately need a first follower. Somebody who steps alongside of them and says, hey, they're ours. They may be dancing crazy, but we're going to follow. Follow me as I follow them. Leader or follower. Regardless, and this is where I want to end. Regardless of your default settings, what I want you to wrestle with today is how might God use you as a leader? How might God use you as a follower? How might God use you as a first follower? Or in other words, who needs you to be a leader? Who needs you to be a leader? Who needs you to be a first follower? Some of you know what it's like to be out there dancing. Ain't nobody dancing with you. Huh? Who needs you? I'm going to ignore that. Um, Who needs you to support them by being a second, third, fourth, fifth follower? Yeah. Think about it, folks. We all need that. And we can all fill those roles. Leader, follower, answers yes. The challenge is to understand the difference and to find the right time. Would you pray with me? Father, as the video said, we have a great tendency, especially people in situations or circumstances or professions like mine, to to really, really, really emphasize leadership. And it is crucial. But Father, what a gift. And I only touched on a few. But I think about my own life, Lord. And I think about the first followers. I think about my wife and how many times she's been the one to step up, stand beside me as my first follower and to give me the courage to lead. I think about those in this room who on countless occasions have done that. And Father, I'm convicted 
because I wonder, am I disciplined enough, am I focused enough to be a first follower for others? I wonder who hasn't realized their potential. I wonder what movements have not been started because I wasn't willing to be a first follower or a second follower. Father, I pray that you would do a work in every heart here. First, Father, I'd help you to help. I would ask you to help each of us understand how we're wired. And then I would ask you to help us to surrender that wiring to you and give you permission to rewire us as necessary. I pray that as a result of this silly video, we will be ever focused on when we need to lead, ever focused on when we need to jump out of our seat and go be the first follower. Not every time is going to end up with a movement, but without a first follower, it doesn't even have a chance. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to be mindful of the times we need to get up out of our seat and be the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth follower to help a movement continue to grow. Father, I thank you for that imagery, and I thank you for the promise of your Holy Spirit that you'll equip and empower us to do what I've just asked. I thank you, Father. Amen.